0: Hey, it's Nick, Uh, got a short one for you today. This is just a reading of an article I just posted uh, called Finding Love in the Landfill on Cyberpunk 2077's 2.0 update. There was a moment in Cyberpunk 2077, probably about 20 hours into my first run through the game, where I thought I was playing a AAA artifact that had somehow dislodged itself in time and arrived on my doorstep years in advance. That's pretty glowing praise, and you might gather from this feeling that I waited to play the game until it had been out for about, oh, a year and uh, thoroughly unfucked through countless patches. You'd be correct, and that waiting wound up proving quite prudent. I remember the game I played being mostly pretty good, frequently even quite intelligent, and occasionally it even rendered me speechless in realizing the dramatic lengths of its ambition. This is a game that really reached for something at times. So I I would have recommended it back then, and I think I even might have some places here and there, but I wasn't really recommending much of anything to anyone at the time. But that was in 2021, and now it's 2023, and I find myself having played through almost the entire game again for a second time. Uh, So would I still recommend it? Cyberpunk 2077 is not the game it launched as. It's been patched so many times now that it's even incremented to a second major version number, complete with an advertising campaign and plenty of incentives designed to woo skeptics and fans back into the fold. All of this is rolled out like a red carpet over a mountain of frayed and wine-stained old rugs just in time for its one expansion, Phantom Liberty, to step out of a Tesla Cybertruck and glitch its merry way down the runway. The Cyberpunk 2077 of 2023 is basically not broken, It's still got plenty of bizarre glitches, like stroke warding sign lighting effects with no tangible connection to the current environment are still constantly popping off. It's got half measures like an improved character progression system, but it's married to this talent tree that feels repressive for a game that's otherwise all about its plug and play world. And it still has performance compromises like uh, cars, for some reason, almost always only showing up on one side of the road. At least they're constantly running me the fuck over, which firmly grounds me in the authentic SoCal setting. And all of this, however, amounts to a game that's still weird as hell. But you're probably not likely to notice these issues if you're new to the game. So I feel pretty confident saying it's not broken, but it is still an open-world AAA game with all the baggage that that entails. It's a beautiful depiction of a disgusting world. It's a monumental collaborative work of pop culture that's inexorably and perpetually burning itself to the ground but you have to be pretty jaded to not find joy and wonder in watching a controlled burn. The game is mostly fun to play. Running, driving, dashing, air dashing, dash double jump air dashing, and shooting slash slicing people are your primary verbs and they roll off the tongue. There is a story system running under the hood that's always tossing fresh choices your way. You'll quickly realize that most of these choices are mere window dressing, but every now and then you'll dip your toe into an oil contaminated puddle and discover it's disguising a seaweed-choked lake of rich narrative complexity. Because it's an open-world game with cars and guns, there are hundreds of opportunities to do reckless shit with both of them. Most of this stuff is not fun to engage with because, at best, it's meaningless, and at worst, it props a mirror right up in front of you and exposes the sheer depravity of your actions as a player back to you. Night City is full of all kinds of characters. Many are blank caricatures who bark bizarre rockstar-adjacent quips at nobody in particular, and a few are fully voiced, opinionated, autonomous androids you may even grow a bit attached to. But the vast majority of the non-people populating this awful city amount to mere obstacles to avoid, lest you mow somebody down in view of the police, which means you've got to spend the next couple minutes playing hide-and-seek with some truly wretched adversary AI before nothing really happens and you move on. But then there are the npcs with arrows over their heads and this is where the grinning rictus of the game's core design begins to reveal itself some of these arrows are blue and others are yellow you are encouraged to kill these people because you'll get items and experience points for it if you kill the blue ones however you get in trouble because they're the cops and despite being at best a heartless criminal in this game your character has no motivation and indeed the game offers no real reward for picking a fight with them. The Yellow Arrow folks, however, are fair game, and hunting season never ends. During story missions, you begin to associate Yellow Arrow NPCs as enemies to be avoided, quietly dispatched, or, if you want, brutally killed in a full-on violent assault. But out in the open world, you'll see tons of people with these arrows over their heads. Some of them are committing violent crimes when you find them, sure, but the vast majority are not. They're petty thieves, they're drug users, or just guys being dudes, but the longer you play any game like this, the deeper entrenched your neural pathways for deriving rewards from a skinner box becomes. Yellow arrows equate to free guns, free money, and fast XP. And so you'll likely find yourself at some point in your playthrough mindlessly mowing them down, shooting them up, or hacking their brains until they literally catch fire and die in front of you. You won't even think twice about it. They're basically Super Mario coin blocks, requiring just as much mental effort and prompting, just as much moral ambiguity in harvesting them. Except that they're people. They have conversations with their buddies that hang out, and as the game takes great pains at times to reinforce, they're not uniformly good or bad, because to its credit, this game is quite certain that nobody can be comprehensively described in binary terms. They're not real, of course, none of this is, but our lives are and our time that we spend playing games is real time that can be spent in any number of other ways. At a certain point, you might look around your room or see a pet or a loved one walk by and realize you're doing something supremely fucked up and you may have a moment of reckoning. For every sharp exchange of dialogue, wonderfully nuanced main character, and stunning viewpoint in Cyberpunk 2077, and the game is truly overflowing with all of the above, there are at least a dozen moments of banal cruelty and mindless indulgence. Of course, the game makes it pretty obvious that its universe is all about banal cruelty and mindless indulgence, so one could broker the argument that this all amounts to intentional meta-commentary. But the longer I play, and the more boxes I check on V's virtually limitless to-do list, the more I feel the weight of the game's overstuffed void of meaningless, cruel bullshit diminishing the beauty of this painstakingly broken world. As with most big-budget open-world games, it can't quite decide the full range of choices it ought to present to the player, and it leans a bit too much on whatever's cheap and easy to scale. I gotta market these games somehow, I know, but I can't ignore how much all this junk food is spoiling what's otherwise an immaculate seven-course meal. You might have heard that the opposite of love really isn't hate, it's apathy. I, I love cyberpunk, which is why I'm so down on it a lot of the time. I love it both in spite of and maybe even because of the things I find disappointing, awful, and distressing about it. I recommend it because I think sometimes it's good to let yourself feel like shit and to give yourself the opportunity to stop and ask yourself why that is. I think these uncomfortable, squished-in moments are where we learn and where we make decisions for ourselves. And any game that simultaneously inspires me with the heart-swelling richness of collaborative human artistic achievement while force-feeding me depraved and unlovable garbage is, if nothing else, the makings of an utterly fascinating experience. All right, that's uh, that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed dusting off the cobwebs of this ancient RSS feed. And uh, if you still have us on your podcast app, that's super cool. Thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back with more stuff soon, uh, sooner than you might think. We have our 15th game of the year feature coming up next month, probably that's when we're going to meet to figure it all out as per usual but uh we'll post a publication date once we get that all hammered out but look for that in the next month and a half to two months probably i would wager uh yep that's it for now thanks for listening we'll be back soon